Hello there. You're listening to Sasitap podcast by Sashwath and Oscar where we speak with startup founders, venture capitalists and some of the leading talents in the world. We listen to their personal journeys and share their stories that shape their world view. Bash Bush is a founder and CEO of Product Led. He's a best-selling author of Product Led Growth: How to Build a Product That Sells Itself. and is one of the most sought after product experts in the world after working for some of the world's fastest growing companies today he trains teams across the globe on how to turn their product into a powerful growth engine to start off vesh my question is like how to drive virality in b2b saas products with all the background that you have got in this space yeah i think there's like so many different ways you could like slice and dice virality a uh, big part of it just depends on like how does your product work and how does it integrate into someone's life for instance like a product like mixmax which integrates into your email flow it has like this natural virality component to it same thing with like when hotmail first came out one of the reasons why it was able to sell for 400 million in 24 months was because of virality there would be no other reason why microsoft would have bought them because they were just looking at like how fast this thing was growing and the beauty of the product was just okay whenever someone would share uh, their email or send an email to someone is like sent with love by hotmail and people would just be like oh great like i want to get my own free email from this too and uh, so there was just like a natural virality component to it Now like if you're looking at a lot of like traditional B2B SaaS companies there might not be as much like external virality of like other people finding out like oh I'm using this tool too um but I'll give Slack as an example like there's a lot of internal virality within a product like that because there's the network effects of like hey it actually makes a ton of sense if everyone within this company uses the same tool so it kind of like centralizes and reinforces itself um as it spreads internally but I think if you're thinking about like how do you really structure and think about virality for your product just look at and try and ask yourself what is as uh, something that people would naturally do like what they're already doing they're already sharing it maybe they're putting something on their website i know like drift uh in hanchar and even like click funnels and a bunch of other tools uh where they're creating something that's on your website like they all have like powered by drift powered by this and it's been pretty interesting to see like how much revenue that actually drives i know at least i was just reading um this week like an article about click funnels and they're powered by click funnels button that powers like literally like a million annual recurring revenue for that business every year so it's like it's pretty fascinating to see like how you could integrate it into your business to power virality was your best selling author of product led growth for our audience can you give us a quick overview What does product-led growth means, and why is it becoming more and more important for companies? Yeah, absolutely. So I really feel like product-led growth, in my words, is like when you're using your product as the main vehicle for your acquisition, your activation, and even your retention. And so that could be like from a marketing's perspective, like hey, like we want to create a free tool or something like that to get more people finding out about our product. or maybe we just want to give away more free features on our freemium model to get more people into our ecosystem so we can um help them out later on and from a sales perspective it could be just leveraging your product data to really uh go through and find out like who are our best fit customers but also the best uh value customers who are getting the most value from our free product that we could upgrade so to me that's really like what product led growth is it's when you're thinking about like how you could use your product to grow your business faster 
Actually, product-led growth has been out there for quite a while, right? I would like to know what was your motivation to really deep dive into that topic and say, I want to push that even further. Yeah, a good question. Like one of the, the things that kind of caught me off guard, like before there was even the word product-led growth, I was already doing it in a lot of different capacities for these B2B SaaS companies. And so when I kind of first heard about it, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, and that makes a, a ton of sense why you would consider it being like product-led versus just like, it's a free trial, freemium model, because there's also like a lot of companies where they think like, hey, if I got a free trial, a freemium model, totally means like I am product led. Whereas I'd actually argue like, no, you can still have those models and be completely sales led in my opinion. So um, the real fascination with this topic came when I was actually creating this early, like first V1 version of a, a course around it. And this was for CXL. And as I was kind of teaching it, I basically made like the biggest rookie mistake for creating courses, which is basically kind of like bite off more than you can chew as far as the topic and the main outcome. Because as I was doing it, I was like, oh my goodness, like product growth. This isn't just like onboarding. This isn't just like a pre-trial versus premium model. This is so much more because every team could have an impact on this. And so it really got me like fascinated with it, super curious about diving deeper into it. And so as I started researching, I'm like, no, like I, I got to do a ton more research on this. And so a book for me was really actually one of the ways I was able to kind of synthesize and like gather all that research for myself because I wanted to build at that time I was doing consulting. I wanted to basically build like a playbook for like, hey, here's what my clients could do to really accelerate this in their own business. And I think like looking back on the success of the book, I think one thing that I could attribute to it is I came at it from more of a, like a beginner's perspective of just trying to dissect and understand things. And I think a lot of other people, as they read it, they can kind of see like, it's not written for the person who's been in SaaS for like 10 plus, 20 plus years. And is like, I already know this stuff is more so written for someone who's like, Hey, I either don't have a product led business and I want to go in this direction, or I'm at early stages of building a product led business and just want to know, like, what are some of those big things I can do or need to do in order to see this through? Awesome. Actually, I've read your book, Wish, and it's a lovely one, I must say. Thanks. <laughs> so how to identify if a SaaS product or a company is a good fit for product-led? I think you have a framework around that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the framework I have for that is called the Moat Framework. And so basically what I'm arguing is like there's four main things you need to pay attention to as far as like if this is a good fit or not. And one of them is really just like the market strategy. So like what game are you playing as a business? And although you can argue there's more games than this, I kind of narrow it down. So there's basically like three main games you can play in business. Like, are you going to be the differentiated player in your space? That's cool. Like if that's the, the area you want to go in and you want to create like very uh, potentially complex and really profitable products uh, for like the enterprise, you could go down the differentiated route, but just know that if you go and make that decision consciously, hopefully, um, and not just wander down there. There are certain compromises, such as your product's ease of use, which might make it a little harder to make the product-led model work for you when you have this clunky product that you've been kind of like uh, Frankensteining, adding a bunch of stuff to uh, to service these enterprise clients. And so if that's the differentiated play, that's where you wanted to go. You can still build a great enterprise 
B2B sales-led business in that space. There's no denying it, but you just got to know, is that the game you're consciously choosing? And then there's also the two other games, which is like, are you playing the dominant game? Which basically means you got to provide one of the best products in the market for the best price. Now that's really hard to do because in order to offer the best price, you really have to also have a really low customer acquisition cost in that space. And so it kind of almost predicts like, yes, you do have to have some sort of product and model, whether that's a free trial or premium model, just consider like, would Netflix ever have a sales team that's like calling up your sister and brother and be like, upgrade them. Like you're at your five seat limit. <laughs> no, it just seems crazy. And they wouldn't do that. And then the, the last game is really just like, are you playing the disruptive game? And in that case, it's really just thinking about, okay, like maybe it's a in some people's eyes, an inferior product. It, it doesn't do as much, but it's it's either free or very cheap. And so you look at like Canva versus Photoshop, you look at Google Docs versus Microsoft Word, and you see this again and again, a lot of SaaS companies are playing in that disruptive space. And that almost predicts again, like you probably need a product like model to make that work. And so that's really the, the most important question to ask. Uh, to get back to your question around like, hey, how do you know like if this is the right fit or not? Because the other one is really just the, the ocean condition. And when you're looking at that, it's really just like, okay, is your space super crowded, super competitive right now? If it is, I would argue the, the only go-to-market strategy that makes sense for you at that point is really a product-led model because you're all competing for the same customer. Wouldn't you want the most effective, capital-efficient go-to-market strategy powering your business? You should be saying yes. <laughs> so it's like, that's of course what you do want. So it's best you actually get that working for your business sooner than later. Uh, whereas if you're in a blue ocean, you're creating like a completely new category, your sales team actually offers a good amount of value because they're actually educating the person on this new problem, how they should potentially think about solving it. And so it could still mean if you're in a very early on market, you should still be sales led and have that. And so I could keep going on on the other two, but I feel like those two are definitely like the 80-20 of like, should you go down this path and be product led? So if you've been nodding your head on like some of those things as you've been listening, that's good. <laughs> that means you're headed in the right direction. But if you're saying like, I'm in a new market, I'm totally differentiated enterprise play, maybe you put on the brakes for now and just read the book. <laughs> yeah. If I'm a SaaS company and, and I say, okay, I really want to implement this product-led strategy, this product-led framework, what kind of mentality does my company need to get the first steps out there? There's like a couple things to unpack on that. There's the mentality component and that's huge because it's like, well, I totally believe like, okay, back to that first question you asked me around like, okay, like why do you write the book kind of thing? It was interesting because there was like, it's yes, a go-to-market strategy is also a new business model. It's also a philosophy and mindset. I was like, there's, there's so much here to unpack. And so, yeah, to get your organization on this path, you really got to start with the vision. Like, why are you going down this path? Why does it make sense? And how many people on your team could you get on board behind this? And so as famous Simon Sinek would say, like, start with why uh, it couldn't be more true, especially when it comes to this stuff. And so what I always recommend people start with is try and identify, you know, what are the forces moving you in this direction? Maybe it's your customer acquisition costs. They're just rising. Maybe it is the fact that your customer willingness to pay is going down. I mean, in SaaS and technology, it's always been that way. People want to pay less every single year for 
tech and we expect more for less. We just become, that's part of the deal for tech. And so that's what's happening. Those are some of the forces pushing us in this direction to even consider a different business model. But then there is the other piece, like what is the pull? What is really going to get our team excited about this? And so that could be something like, well, we could significantly lower our customer acquisition costs. We could have a higher revenue per employee. We could have all of these other different benefits and really just trying to sort out like what really would motivate this team and then get them on board thinking about what are some of those small things we could do right now to move in this direction. And it might start with just having, you know, a... Suedo free trial where it's like literally just a free trial page. Someone requests a free trial and you walk them through how to go through and use the product. You could start really small like that and just show that to like 1% of your website traffic. There's also a lot of other things you could do that are small, just so you can get some small ones, really test this out and your product. And it also depends how big your company is. Uh, because if it's like, you know, multi hundred million dollar company, you might just want to start with a completely new product. Um, to get that ball rolling because you have so many people dedicated towards uh, milking those cash cow products, <laughs> which is hard to change at the end of the day. Awesome. So 2020, there was a spike in virtual sales enterprises and startups. Everyone was going the virtual uh, remote sales model. So uh, slowly B2B companies are in- incorporating the PLG framework as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, and I think it was just like, it's more accelerant on the PLG movement at the end of the day, because it's like, okay, if you're expected to like fly to some of these offices, wine and dine, uh, some of these companies, as far as making the sale for those big enterprise deals, um, we're seeing a lot less of that. Now, have some of those deals closed? Yes, (laughs) at the end of the day. But what I am seeing as well, as far as like digging in and getting into the enterprise companies is it's starting to change a lot faster around the bottoms up approach, adoption within companies. So it might start with like one or two people using the product, and then it just quickly expands throughout the rest of the organization as you do make that sale. And there's nothing more satisfying for some of these sales folks when they realize and they go into these enterprises and they look at like the stats of how many people are already using the free product within that company. And they can make a really simple business case around like, hey, you already have like 200 people using this product. Do you want to even see like what's possible if you upgrade it? <laughs> like just finding the right person, you can make a really great case. So yeah, as far as pandemic goes, I think it's just making it easier for people because at the end of the day, it's it's really about de-risking the buyer. Like if you can try it before you buy it, you're making it so much easier for someone to actually go in and experience it and see for themselves versus you just simply telling them about it. And I think that's really the, the big difference. It's like sales-led growth was all about telling people about the product. Product-led growth is all about showing them the value. And I think we're going to see a lot more people leaning into that, whether there's a pandemic or not. Awesome. So uh, we have seen the pivot from sales-led to product-led growth as well. So in 2021 and beyond, do you think there will be a spike in community-led growth companies as well? And how do you see what the growth managers of 2021 and beyond would be approaching this space per se? Yeah. So like since product-led's come out like full force, I think there's been like a lot of like, there's community-led, there's customer-led, there's <laughs> everything-led. And, and like, there's so many different combos of it. At the end of the day, like, I think the best companies, they're just like really creating the best model that fits for their specific market. So for instance, like when you think product-led, some people will think, 
hey, that just means like the product completely sells itself. You don't even have sales. There's no such thing as sales led in these companies. But it's like, at the end of the day, there's probably more of like a hybrid mix of everything. And so it might start with someone interacting with the product. And then once they get a bunch of users into that free product, then maybe there is actually more of a sales led motion where someone is going through qualifying that person and helping them get the rest of the team on board. So I think the best companies are adaptable. They realize that, hey, like maybe this community is really key to get people uh, figuring out about our product and everything else. Like there's the, the Notion community, like how could we excite people around our product? I think if you can do that and people do get really excited about your product, that's absolutely an amazing channel. It's a great way to get retention, loyal people who are using your product day in, day out and sharing it with everyone and that excitement because that's really sticky when you think about it. Like I, I recently signed up for Notion and I see the community stuff. I'm like, wow, like the whole like second brain motion, <laughs> like how you could approach this. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I uh, didn't know you could do that before. And I'm sure even the creators of Notion didn't think about that. But now they're thinking like, really? Like there's so many other cool possibilities for our product that our community just helped us find out. So I think to really end it on that, it's just about identifying like, you know what, out of all these things, what will help us succeed the best if we have to layer on sales to like close more of these bigger deals, even with a product in motion, let's do that. If we need to create better, you know, community engagement to have more engaged, loyal users, then maybe the community component is a really powerful way for us to build a moat around our brand, because there's so many ways to build a moat, but at the end of the day, it's about serving versus selling. And I think if you can really hone in on that, you're going to be successful. Thanks, Wes. So you are a best-selling published author already. Do you have other favorite business books that you would recommend to your listeners as well? I only read my own book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awful. Yeah, no, I, I read a ton. So this question is hard to answer because I'm always thinking like, you know, what is the, the best business book? I really like reading biographies. I think uh, Never Talk to Your Customers, that's another good book. The Mom Test, as far as like simplifying your offering and making sure people can understand it very quickly. Those are some great ones around the, the product side of things. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us, Wes, and uh, speaking to our community as well. And we'd love to speak to you again at a later point in time. Maybe you can publish another book as well in the coming years. Who knows? <laughs> and thanks again, Wes. Thanks again to uh, for coming to our episode as well. Thanks for having me.